Roger that, Houston. All systems five by five. But what if there is no tomorrow? There wasn't one today. Fascinating. Get away from her, you bitch! Welcome to the Nerdfest podcast today. We've got Dan Watkins, Peter Johnson, John Harbin, and I'm Hazel Burton. Welcome to the episode. We're going to be doing a preview of movies coming out in 2019. Mm. What was that? It was just a preemptive gasp of anticipation for Endgame. It was an inaudible gasp, though, which doesn't help on the podcast. <laughs> for the benefit of listeners, every time you hear a pause, I'm thinking about Endgame. <laughs> As always. We've also got a film buff or film bluff quiz. So let's start the show. And so now we're going to do a preview of what we're most looking forward to in 2019, films and TV. Probably the one that's got us most excited is Endgame. Am I right in saying that? Oh, yeah. You are. Especially after the trailer. Yes. It's difficult because there is also another Star War. There is another war that's set in the stars. Yes. And that and Endgame in the same year. I've got a prediction about Endgame. I think it's going to be Marvel's first flop. (laughs) Ah, yes. Yeah. (laughs) There are a surprising number of people who didn't know that Infinity War was a part one. So they just thought that was a bleak ending. Who was was talking about watching Infinity War with their family? That was Mr. Mayer from The Void. He took them all to The Void for Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) Christmas in Egan's Void was not what we... But this was watching the film where none of them had seen any of the other films before, so they yeah. just had no idea what was happening whatsoever. <laughs> but he said it worked. He said they, they, they enjoyed it despite not knowing who the majority of the characters are. Yeah, but very excited for Endgame. I want to know what happens. I want to know how they're going to get out of it. I want to know how Captain Marvel is going to save them. Mm. And we see her film first, don't we? We do see her film first. Mm. And I am intrigued by that one. I don't think Captain Marvel's going to have a massive role in it. In, in Infinity War, in, in, rather in, than in, her in, own film. Yeah, in Endgame. In, in, in well, Black Panther had a surprisingly large role, I guess, yeah. given that it was only like three or four weeks after that film was released. But I don't think it's going to be pivotal to saving them. I, oh, I hope she is, because this is kind of the last Avengers film, mm-hmm. and it feels a bit of a cheap shot if there's somebody who's not been involved for the last two years, who has only just had her own movie who comes in and saves the day. It feels like a little bit of a cheat, almost. It depends how much we're going to get to like her and know her in her yeah. own film, I guess. But mm. I, I do see what you yeah. mean. I do think that the original Avengers, they're going to be the main protagonist still. Mm. And it's going to be them that have the most influence. I think it was quite clear, the fact that they deliberately, when they culled the cast at the end of the last one, they left like the core original Avengers in there. Mm-hmm. And I think it's going to be a story that's a lot more focused on them. Mm. Mm. Unless Iron Man just... Dies of dehydration in space. <laughs> it just keeps going back to a good... Like a biscuit. Oh, it's Thursday. <laughs> yeah, and Star Wars Episode Nine, so that's out in December. Yes. And so that'll be probably another midnight trip for us nerds. Yeah. yeah. It'd be nice to have a Christmas Star Wars again. Yes. It will. Yeah, I missed it this year. Yeah, why they didn't do that for Solo, I have no idea. The mm. guy was on Twitter, wasn't he? One of the rights going to, um, in an alternate universe, Solo's coming out this weekend or something like <laughs> that. And- yeah. Bringing it out five months after eight yeah, was a ridiculous idea. I think Force Awakens and Last Jedi had both had May release dates originally, and both of which got pushed back to Christmas, but for whatever reason, Solo didn't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't feel quite right without Star Wars at Christmas. No. I got the impression they were just trying to pretend nothing was wrong because of yeah. the change of directors and things. They're worried yeah. it would look bad if it got delayed and mm. that would give bad word of mouth. 
That would have been worth it, though. But they knew at that time they weren't having a Star Wars movie this year. Yeah, I guess so. So it does seem crazy. Yeah, I've got no idea what's going to happen in episode nine. Uh, Jar Jar comes back as a Sith Lord. <sighs> yeah, it's almost a blank slate for J.J. Abrams to... Well, to restore his original slate is more <laughs> yes. likely to try to wipe out yeah. everything that was done in the last well, he, movie. He claimed he never had a slate. Well, he just had episode seven. And... Yeah, and he didn't really know where he was going to go beyond that. It's like they'd put the pieces on the board but didn't know yeah. how it was going to play out. Which was out. how the original trilogy worked, so... The original director was Colin Trevorrow, is that yes. right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Who Did he do Jurassic World 2? He exec produced that one yeah, and has been... gone back to do the third one. Right. Who directed Jurassic World 2 and have they been taken outside Trey and Bayona. shot? Of the Impossible and A Monster Calls mm. fame. Mm-hmm. Fame. Well, The Impossible was good. <laughs> what did Colin Trevorrow direct that didn't do well, that we think it directly led to him not doing episode 9? That was The Book of Henry. Yeah. yeah. So, mm. obviously, we've got no Carrie Fisher. Yeah, the mm. most intriguing is probably the wrong word, but I'm going to use it anyway because I can't think of another one, is how they're going to honour her memory. Yeah, She is in the film, but apparently using unused footage from previous films and no CGI. Yes. And we've got Lando again. Original Lando. Original Lando. And Luke, presumably, is a Force ghost. Mm-hmm. Mark Hamill is in the He's, cast. He is in mm-hmm. it, yeah. And we've got Supreme Leader Kylo Ren in charge of the First Order. Yeah, and a very small ragtag band of the Resistance. Yeah, yeah there's about five of them, I think. On the Millennium Falcon. So oddly, there'll be a similarity to Avengers in that you could strip the whole thing back down to something small again. Yeah, I wonder if there'll be a time jump of a few years, because mm. seven and eight took place almost immediately after each other. Whether this will give it a couple of space years to allow the Resistance to build up. There's a gap between four and five. Between yeah. the rebels blowing up the Death Star and yeah. setting up base on Hoth. We haven't yeah, had a trailer we, or anything. We, we know got nothing name. about it, really, yeah. do we? Yeah. When do you think the first trailer hit? It's normally around Star Wars Day, May the 4th. Yeah, Star Wars Celebration is in Chicago in April this mm-hmm. year, so they might be keeping stuff back for then. Yeah, and the obvious thing would be to get on the front of Endgame. Yeah. So, um, yeah, beyond the Marvel Universe and Star Wars, we've also got... Toy Story 4 coming out this mm. year yeah. in June. I saw Sporky and I thought it was a joke. Is it Sporky? Is he called? Forky. Forky. And I said, oh, this is the new Toy Story character. And it was a fork with a bit of tinsel wrapped around it. And I thought it was somebody on Twitter like doing a parody. Yeah. Well, it sounds like they're going quite existential with it. I couldn't because... find any information about the film. When's it due out? 21st of June. The girl who the toys are inherited by in Toy Story 3 has made this thing out of your god well effectively because by putting the googly eyes and the pipe cleaner arms on a spork she's brought it to life yeah it's a kind of what point do Uh. you become a toy and are therefore alive yeah there's some kind of weird philosophical question going on there and i think i also read that the plot will involve something to do with bo peep yeah that's the only thing being rescued who is woody's girlfriend well ex-girlfriend they've not seen each other for a while (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the stakes are high yeah they are I just uh, I, I have no interest in this film whatsoever did you enjoy the first three yeah and I, I really liked them and I thought it was a perfect ending to the last one it, yeah. it, came, it was a real natural conclusion yeah then they'll bring out hands. a great trailer and you'll be oh I want yeah. to see it though maybe yeah, yeah. I, just, I just feel it, it feels unnecessary I don't feel they do another one without it yeah, yeah I, I have reason. faith in the makers of Toy Story that they wouldn't do this unless they had a genuinely good story in which yeah. to honour the characters. It's very much their baby Toy Stories. It's the first one. It's the one mm-hmm. they've always been very careful with in a way yeah. that 
maybe they haven't with some of the other ones. Every single film in that series has been a joy to watch. Mm -hmm. So it would be a huge shame if this one wasn't. But I have faith that it will be. I'm expecting something enjoyable, but I say I just don't see a need for that. It just feels that unnecessary and cynical maybe yeah. much like yourself <laughs> speaking of animated sequels there is another How to Train Your Dragon coming out in February how many now? this is number three yeah, and I think the first two have been quite underrated I thought the first one was great yeah the second one builds on it you've got some really cool creatures obviously with mm-hmm. the dragons and it looks like this one's going to have quite high stakes and might end up explaining why, since Viking times, we now no longer live in a world with dragons, because I think they're all going to go away, oh, which no. would be really sad. Will it explain why the Vikings have Scottish accents? Because all Vikings are Scottish, even the <laughs> ones from Denmark. We know this. It's historical fact. But I think that one has the potential, maybe not to surpass a Toy Story, but I think the dragon films are DreamWorks' best. Mm-hmm. not seen any of them. I like them more than the Shreks. I like them more than Kung Fu Pandas. So I think that one could be yeah, I'd agree with that. a good one. Mm-hmm. I've never really liked DreamWorks animated stuff. I don't like when they're putting in the jokes for the adults and they're kind of... I'm getting this mainly from like Shrek and Kung Fu Panda. Yeah. How to Train Your Dragon does shy away from that. Yeah. It focuses on its story a lot better. It's difficult to describe, but there's something about the tone of them compared to the tone of the Pixar films that yeah. I don't like. Mm. I think you will find dragons are different. Yeah. Um, the, the last season of Game of Thrones uh, opened with How to Train Your Dragon and then <laughs> Daenerys chucking the DVD down. That didn't help at all. <laughs> yeah, it's been um, quite a break from season seven. It's been nearly two years, isn't it? Mm. It's coming out in April, isn't it? Yeah, six episodes, but each. I think they're going to do a George R.R. R. Martin and just keep delaying it. Really? <laughs> delaying oh, no. it. We won't see season eight until 2035. Have they finished <laughs> filming it? Oh, yeah, it's all finished yeah, filming all and done. everything, and they're just going to hold it back just to keep it in faith with dicks. the books. <laughs> right. Do we have any predictions for the final season? Who's going to be sitting on the Iron Throne at the in the last shot? Everyone dies, Night King wins. Mm. Well, for a long time, there's a theory that you're going to have three dragons, and it's going to be um, Daenerys, Jon Snow, and Tyrion combining to lead and each would be sat on a dragon or something but obviously one dragon is now zombified yeah still a dragon but yeah every time i think i'm not that bothered about game of thrones i just think zombie dragon (laughs) 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 right back yeah i keep going back to series three and um what's that twat called um joffrey no uh no not his son ramsey ramsey volton when he was torturing Theon and he kind of said, if you think this has got a happy ending, you haven't been paying attention. So any happy ending that I can think of, i.e. Daenerys and John kind of yeah. ruling together, I think is not going to happen. And I believe you're right. Everyone's dead apart from the Night King. I think it will have a happy ending to some extent because I think just the world will revolt against HBO if it doesn't. Mm. 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 It'd be pretty ballsy to have evil yeah. win. Cersei could win. Mm. It was for a long time pulling towards all the houses uniting against the White Walkers, and that could still happen. Mm. But they kind of subverted that a little bit, didn't they, at the end of the last series, when Cersei agreed to this, and then as soon as they went, nah, fuck him. Yeah. yeah, I think Jamie might do her in. Mm. Do you reckon? I, I think Jamie might try, but I don't think he'll succeed. No one succeeds against her. Yeah. One of them's going to kill the other. Yeah. yeah. Um, but wasn't there that prophecy that all of her children were going to die? But there's also a prophecy that she was going to get killed by one of her brothers? Could be Tyrion or Jamie. Yes. 
by a younger brother, but I think Jamie is ever so slightly younger than her. Yeah, or it turns out that Jon Snow is also a Lannister somehow. <laughs> He's everything else. <laughs> he, yeah. He's a big melting pot. I think there's going to be a cull of characters very, very early on. I think we're going to have a montage of lesser characters yeah. getting white walkered. Mm. If only to focus things. Yeah. We did a death poll, didn't we, for yeah. the past season, because we thought there's going to be a high death toll. And we each chose five characters who we thought were going to bite the dust and then rank them in order of likelihood. But it turns out only a handful got killed. So I think I won by default by yeah, guessing was, um, it, Littlefinger. It was, was quite like nice last season, wasn't it? It was a little yeah. less death than you would expect. I was convinced that Sansa wasn't going to make it and yeah. stuff like that. But I, I suspect you're right. You know, in the first few episodes, people who've been in it since day one mm-hmm. are going to meet their end. I know there's stuff at the Great Wall, but not a lot at the Great Wall. Because there's not a lot of wall left. Yes. Yeah. Mm. There's a bit of Night's so Watch with stuff, but not a lot. Um, yeah. I like the Night's Watch. I find them really interesting. George R. R. Martin's brought out a huge volume about the history of the Targaryens. I want to know about the Night's uh-huh. Watch. Mm. Yeah, well, that's, that's the subject of a prequel series, but it's been written by Jane Goldman, isn't it? The Targaryens. Yes. Other stuff I'm really looking forward to next year. Tarantino's back. With Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. That looks great. Mm. I'm so excited for great. that. Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt teaming up together. One plays the other stunt double, don't they? I don't That's quite right. know how that works. I can't remember which is which. Pitt is DiCaprio's right. double, I think. Mm. Yeah. And it's about, but not really, the Manson family murder yeah. of Sharon Tate. Right. I think that That's background rather yeah. than the... Yeah. Rather than it's about... It's it, about yeah. Hollywood at that time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Taika Waititi's back with Jojo Rabbit. Which is... Sounds like a sex toy. It's not, but it does feature Hitler as an imaginary friend. That's definitely a sex toy. Yeah, so it's a a young boy growing up in Nazi Germany who imagines his best friend is Hitler, but Hitler is played by Taika Waititi, so uh, Hitler of Polynesian descent. I really hope he knows what he's doing, because this this just sounds like it could be so wrong. crazier from there, as I understand it. I think him having written it and directed it, it'll be... Yeah, we're Very not expecting Thor Ragnarok Part 2 then. No. The um, What We Do in the Shadows TV series, does that do this year as well? Yes, I think it is. That's yeah. Werewolves. No, it's more about the vampires. It's the title, not Werewolves then. That's a different one. So yeah. they've got that one, they've got a vampire one, and they've got Wellington Paranormal, which was aired in New mm-hmm. Zealand but not anywhere else, about the two police officers having to deal with all sorts of supernatural issues. So that's been on in New Zealand already? Yes, and is out on DVD in New Zealand, but again, not anywhere else. And looks really funny from the clips I've seen, but it's just quite difficult to get hold of this far away. Has anyone seen the new Men in Black trailer? Men in Black International, is it called? Yes. yes. Not keen on the trailer. No, me neither. When they sort of rehash an existing thing, you always start from a point of view of cynicism and thinking it'd be rubbish, don't you? I don't like remakes normally, but then I remember the Fly's a remake, the Thing's a remake, you know, you can't have a good remake, or do a sequel, but I really don't like where they try and fudge whether it's a sequel or a remake. So you've got this Men in Black International, which is supposedly a sequel, but then you're watching the trailer, and it's beat for beat, the same shots, the same sequences as in the first Men in Black. Mm. Why? Do something different with it. But Tessa Thompson and Chris Hemsworth, together. Yeah. Together again, yeah. Yeah. And it's possible also with the trailer that they're just deliberately picking all the bits that look familiar. Possibly, yeah. It, it seems very much just the same story, though. So Tessa Thompson in the Will Smith role. Yeah. yeah. On TV screens, we're probably going to get a new season of Stranger Things. Yes. Mm. Yes. In yeah. 2019, yeah. which would be good. 
Hazel, I heard that Chris Hemsworth is filming in Newcastle at the moment. Really? Okay, uh, Hazel's now left us. So I guess you're in charge then, John. Apparently I am now oh, no. in charge. What are we going to do now? I'll look at Hazel's notes. Um, we've got Chris Hemsworth with a heart drawn around it. Um, got a picture of Hazel with Chris Hemsworth. We've got what appears to be Chris Hemsworth's personal phone number and email address. A selection of photos of Chris Hemsworth taken from bushes. Did she actually write any useful notes for this show? Oh, so here's on the next page. It's Film Before Film Bluff is next. Oh, okay. Oh, great. So what happens then? Uh, in Film Before Film Bluff, we have, as usual, each of us bought three fascinating facts about the world of film. We bought the facts. We bought the facts. I buy them. Um, have you heard of Fiverr? Oh, right. So someone else does your work for you. I have a small Indonesian man who mines my facts <laughs> and sells them to me at a reduced rate. In the fact mines of Jakarta. 
But unfortunately, due to this, one of the facts tends to be complete bullshit. Dan, what do you have for us? I have three facts about the secret lives of the Avengers. Mm. Or rather, the actors who play them. Number one, Paul Rudd, a.k.a. Ant-Man, also owns a sweet shop. Number two, Mark Ruffalo, a.k.a. The Hulk, is very skilled at riding unicycles. And number three, Chris Hemsworth, a.k.a. Thor... Not him again. Him again, has tried his hand at farming oysters. What's Paul Rudd's sweet shop called? I do not have the name of it. I think that's real. That sounds like humbug. (laughs) (laughs) That makes me think it's real because he hasn't made up a fanciful sweet name. Sex Panther. Paul Rudd's Sex Panther sweet shop. You don't think that's inappropriate for a children's sweet shop? Not when he's in character as Brian Fantana from Anchorman. Okay, so you're saying Paul Rudd has a sweet shop created in character called Sex Panther. No, what I'm saying is I do not know the name of no, the okay. sweet shop, but you insisted I made one up. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what we're doing is we've got Chris Hemsworth like some oyster farming. Yep, and Mark Ruffalo and his unicycle. Mm. I can imagine Mark and a unicycle. Me and Mark were first name terms. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Mark Ruffalo on a unicycle, does he juggle? I cannot confirm whether or not he juggles. It's the sort of thing I can imagine an actor learning to do whilst bored on a set. Would he be allowed to? One of these things where... Health and safety. Well, kind of insurance and stuff. They can limit what people do, like they can't do dangerous activities. Stage five of the Marvel Cinematic Universe is going to be the Hulk joining the circus. The Hulk would just crush a unicycle, though. It would be a big unicycle. Uh, Oyster farming. Mm. He's Australian, isn't he? So, farming. I can confirm that he is Australian. That's like a manly thing to do, isn't it? But oysters a bit camp. And he's an actor. <laughs> so he's Australian. Farming is an mm. actor, a bit camp. Oyster farming is the perfect thing for a burly camp man. <laughs> right. Burly camp man. Marvel stage five. Just after Hulk makes a unicycle, burly camp man appears. <laughs> I'm going to pick uh, Mark Ruffalo. Paul would do a sweet shop. He's just a bit creepy, isn't it? Explain. Why creepy? Well, he's 50 but looks 20. <clears throat> he works in Hollywood and, you know, that's full of wrong-uns. <laughs> <laughs> Unsubstantiated claim. If you went into a shop and there was Paul Rudd. Well, no, it is. Yeah, yeah. Does he own the shop or does he just does he work behind the counter? He owns it. Like, if or you, co-owns it. Who does he co-own it with? I cannot confirm. I just can't imagine him owning a sweet shop. I think that's bullshit. I am afraid you are both wrong. <sighs> Paul Rudd does in fact co-own a sweet shop with Jeffrey Dean Morgan, a.k.a. Negan from The what? Walking Dead. <laughs> that's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, they uh, saved it from closure when the previous owner, who was a friend of theirs, suddenly died. So oh, they well, bought their yeah. sweet shop and uh, now run it for their friend. That's, okay. less so that's, fun. that's nice. Not creepy. Um, Hamilton guys bought a bookshop, hasn't they? He has, yeah, something similar. Uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda and the director of Hamilton teamed up to save the drama bookshop in New York from closure. Mm. I don't think it could afford the rents in Manhattan, so they've managed to buy the business and will reopen it in a slightly less expensive area. Mm. But it's where all of the young, aspiring Broadway actors went to read scripts and rehearse and practice for auditions and things like that. I thought that was his bedroom. (laughs) 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 anyway uh mark ruffalo can ride a unicycle and Mm -hmm. that is because he once wanted to be a clown 
So he learned the skills of clowning, including unicycling. I own a unicycle. Do you? It's in my cupboard at work, but I have never learned to ride it. Is that not just a normal bicycle, but one wheel's fallen off? Due to my lack of bicycling. No, I, ge- <laughs> they, I genuinely have a <laughs> unicycle in my office. You don't use them, they waste away, like muscles. Mm. Until there's just one wheel left. They atrophy. <laughs> have either of you read The Third Policeman by Flan O'Brien? Nope. nope. No. Uh, it is a completely crazy, insane, philosophical, surreal novel. There are all sorts of strange things going on in the world. It's sort of set in Ireland, but in a weird parallel version of it. And one of the policeman characters believes that cycling gradually transforms you into a bicycle. <laughs> because going over the cobbles of Ireland on your bicycle creates a particle transfer between you and the bike. So the more you cycle, the lower the percentage that you are you in terms mm. of particles and the higher percentage you become of a bicycle and eventually you become more than 50% bike. So does the bike become you as well? Yes. So there are bikes going around this book acting like policemen and vice versa. You read a lot of strange books. It's very odd. <laughs> uh, it was strangely, John will not be surprised to hear one of the inspirations behind Lost. In that it's a good idea and halfway through they realised they've not got an ending. Yeah, the book is really, really good. It's really well written, but it doesn't make any sense. Are chapters four and five of the book just clearly padding? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) How rude. Season five was really good. The bluff was actually Chris Hemsworth farming oysters. Mm. He has not farmed oysters, but his cousin, Rob Hemsworth, does. There's a Rob Hemsworth. There is a Rob Hemsworth. He apparently has appeared on many Australian cooking programmes. So why did you not assume Hazel would know whether or not Chris Hemsworth had an oyster farm, given her encyclopedic knowledge of Chris Hemsworth? Well, I assumed she would get that one right. But I didn't think that either of you would. So it would have been a nice little mix, and then Hazel would have been right, there would have been vindication, we would have had cake. But if she'd said, I know for a fact he owns an oyster farm, we'd have said, it's the oyster farm. I don't know, I think John would have still not been convinced. And ironically, Hazel has now run out of the room hoping that Chris Hemsworth will farm her oyster, so... (laughs) I was playing a mind game. So who's next for a bluff? I've got three sort of musical bluffs for you. And one of them has a Star Wars reference, just to keep Dan happy. Yes. One of these is a bluff. The first one is, The trombone solo on I'm Coming Out by Diana Ross was played by a neighbour of producer Nile Rogers in exchange for Rogers co-producing a disco album based on The Empire Strikes Back. And for the second one, if Shaun of the Dead hadn't got the right to use Queen's Don't Stop Me Now for the big fight scene, they're going to use 99 Luftballons by Nene. And for the third one, Bowie's keyboard player on the Spiders from Mars tour in 1972 went on to co-write and produce When Will I Be Famous by 80s band Bross. Which of those is a bluff? Now, Bross are back in the zeitgeist again, Mm -hmm. recently after their documentary. Hysterical documentary. (laughs) I haven't seen it, but I've heard things. It is a bizarre thing. It really is. You've seen it, haven't you, John? I have. I loved it, yeah. Yeah. Just the things he comes out with, the sort of pretentiousness of it is very funny. And the arguments between them. Apparently they're made up now, because it's it's about a year and a half since the documentary was filmed. They're touring again this summer on Mm. the back of the documentary's success. It'll probably do really well for them, I think. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so we have the trombone solo. Mm-hmm. Could we hear your approximation of what that sounds like? <laughs> to know, gonna Probably. let it show. I'm coming. 
Nile Rodgers producing that seems to make sense. Nile Rodgers did produce that song, definitely. Yeah. Did he do a disco album based on The Empire Strikes Back, though? There the, was a disco Star Wars album, wasn't there? There is, yeah, which he plays on Sean Keaveney's radio show every day. So, Disco Star Wars exists. Nile Rodgers produced that song. I thought you were going to say Nile Rodgers exists there. Nile Rodgers definitely exists. I've seen Nile Rodgers live. It's actually quite good fun. Yeah. Apart from when he stopped the show for about 20 minutes to talk about how he nearly died just randomly in the middle of a Sunday afternoon sunny set at Glastonbury. Oh, weird. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> and then the second one was 99 Love Balloons. Yeah. Instead of Don't Stop Me Now. For a fight scene. Yeah. I don't know them personally, but a friend of mine went to a wedding where they had 99 Luft Balloons as their first song. <laughs> <laughs> and I obviously had no idea what the lyrics actually meant or what it was about. Mm. Well, I don't. It was the German version. It's, it's about a nuclear holocaust and everyone dying and the 99 red balloons that the children held just floating away through the sky after they were killed following a nuclear attack. So it's basically threads in song form. It's disco threads. That yeah. suits the apocalyptic theme. Yeah. But Edgar Wright strikes me as somebody who's very knowing in what he wants musically and plans things for particular songs. I can't imagine him having backups. I think he would have had his heart set on Queen, and it's not hard to get the rights to Queen songs, the number of adverts they're in. <laughs> <laughs> I think he will have written that scene with that song in mind. And they will have got the rights long before they went. He to did film have it. backups for Baby Driver. Oh, I did remember he? reading. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did yeah. he have backups for Shaun of the Dead? Uh, that is for you to decide. <laughs> I would like to think that that one is the bluff. The Bross one, I know they didn't write their stuff. There was an article recently about people having a go at them for the lyrics to When Will I Be Famous, Be Navigant, and stuff like that. And they were like, well, we didn't write them, they were written by our producer. So and manager, yeah. I, but I don't know if he, if he was the guy who played keyboards on what was he? He was on Spiders the Spiders from Mars, from Mars tour. I know most of that band. This was like Woody Woodman's era, wasn't it? With Mick Ronson and 72, 73 ish, was it not? Yeah, but I couldn't tell you who the keyboard player was on that tour. But also, I know that it was a famous producer writer that was responsible for Boss, so it's possible. I'm going to go for Edgar Wright not having 99 red balloons as a bucket for Don't Stop Me Now. Okay. That is the correct one. <laughs> hey. But you're wrong with your assumption that he doesn't have backups. Because the original fact was that the backup was Rasputin by Boney M. Oh. That would have been awful. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I think it would have worked. It was a shame how he carried on. Oh. Rasputin's actually an absolutely fascinating character and he deserves better than the song. Yes, mm-hmm. he is a scarily influential mm. figure in Russian history. But he wasn't a monk, and he wasn't mad. No. He that was, was his friend. Is it the guy who wrote the biography about him, or his best friend? It was one of the two. Mm-hmm. And that's why everyone sort of makes the association, but none of that actually applies to Rasputin. But he was pretty much responsible for how the First World War turned out, and certainly the Russian Revolution. Very much so. Yeah, yeah he had so much trust in the Tsar's household because he was able to make the Tsarevich Alexei Romanov live a normal life. He had haemophilia, he had all kinds of illnesses and frailties, and Rasputin seemed to be able to take those debilitating Mm. illnesses away. Was it medical or faith healing? Some people have suggested there was a degree of hypnotism in there. Mm -hmm. From having had to be carried everywhere, after Rasputin saw him, he seemed to be better. And for that, the Tsar's wife put Rasputin right at the centre of everything, because he was the only one she would listen to. 
and the Tsar was away at the First World War, Russia started to inch its way towards what happened. Mm. Really interesting. Okay. And a hard man to kill. <laughs> <laughs> Going from history to Muppets. As most things do. Well, my film before Film Bluff is about the most important characters, I think, of late 20th century popular culture. And that is the Muppets. <laughs> I have three Muppety facts, two of which are Muppety true, one of which is Muppety false. Fact number one, Big Bird nearly died in a space shuttle disaster. Um, the puppet nearly died? The character? That, that is all the facts that you have. Okay. Mm-hmm. Number two, the original puppeteer for Miss Piggy was not Frank Oz. It was a man called Harry Linus who stopped performing it because his religious upbringing made him offended at the idea of a pig and a frog being in a relationship. And fact number three is that the Manamana song was originally used in a Swedish softcore porn film called Sweden, Heaven and Hell. Originally used? That's where it comes from. That's where they heard it, yes. Now, I have heard something very similar to that third one before, so I believe that one is true. I know it wasn't originally The Muppets. I know it was no. the cover. Yeah. Seems an odd place to have found it, though. It, it <laughs> and does, how, does, how on earth does that fit into a sort of porn film as well? I can't recall the specifics, but I've heard something really similar to that before. I remember something about people being offended at the idea of a pig and a frog. Yeah, because she was mostly in Pigs in Space in the early seasons of The Muppet Show but not Big Bird. Mm -hmm. So, why is he being evasive about the truth behind Big Bird? I can give you some more details, if you would like. Did one of the people who controlled Big Bird work as an astronaut? No, what happened (laughs) was... doesn't seem very likely. um, (laughs) During the 80s, NASA wanted to get more people interested in space, and one of the ideas was to have Carol Spinney, who is the actor that plays Big Bird, go into space in the Big Bird costume and have it orbit the Earth. And they said basically they can't do that because the Big Bird costume is like eight foot tall and it would have taken up too much space in the spacecraft. So it never happened. And that was the Challenger shuttle, which famously exploded, killed everyone on board. Shouldn't they have sent a pig up in space? (laughs) (laughs) For the pigs in space. Um, There would at least be some logic to that one. So the idea was that they would get children interested in science in space if they said, oh, Big Bird's going up. They're going to train Carol Spinning to be an astronaut put him in the Big Bird costume or version of it. Because it's easier to train a puppeteer to be an astronaut than train an astronaut to be a puppeteer, obviously. Yes. Well, you know, if they can send miners into space... You're denigrating Armageddon for Mm -hmm. implausibility. Yeah, and he was up for it, but it never happened because of logistical reasons. Mm. I mean, it's possible it was mooted. Yeah. Just have a vision of a big explosion and then just a single yellow feather... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you've convinced me that's the bluff. You think that's the bluff? I yep. think that one's true. I'm going to go with the third one. You were both wrong. Oh, <laughs> Carol Spinney was mooted to go up into space. If you remember, eventually they settled on a teacher. So it was the first time that people mm. want trained astronauts went into space because that was part of the idea to get people more involved and say, like, anybody can do this. But Amanat was used in the 1968 softcore porn film Sweden, Heaven and Hell. Harry Linus is two and a half years old, so was never involved in the puppeteering of Miss Piggy. And as far as I know, Frank Oz has always been Miss Piggy. Who's Frank Linus? Uh, Harry Linus is my nephew. Harry Linus, sorry. Who I'm giving a a, a shout out to. 
Because <laughs> he always listens to the podcast. He does, yeah. yes. <laughs> and I also thought a regular name may fool you, and it did. Yeah. Mm. What's the sexiest moment you've ever seen in film, Dan? Involving a man and a lady, or, or a lady and a lady, or a man and a man? Or a man and a bicycle. <laughs> I've gone completely blank, and I can't think of any romantic scenes in any films. The two puppets in Team America. Really? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, I just want you Why to give it a, a nice um, romantic evil. You don't have to say it out loud, just l- have it. Lady and the Tramp eating their spaghetti. My God. No. Dan's the most innocent man. P- Peter, I want you to think of the most... Uh, Kim Passenger in Nine Half Weeks. Okay, well now I want you to think about that. Have that in your mind. You go in there. Dan, I need you to help me with this. Are you thinking about it? Mm. I see what you were going for. Yeah, <laughs> finally. <laughs> yeah, that was worth waiting for. <laughs> we had nine and a half weeks for it. I think that genuinely Muppet Christmas Carol is Michael Caine's best role. <laughs> no, seriously. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He, he holds that film together because he plays it completely straight. Yeah. And if he didn't do that, the whole film would fall apart. Was that how he's directed to play it or how he chose to play it? It's how he chose to play it. He said to Brian Henson, basically, I'm going to play this as if I was on the stage at the Royal Shakespeare Company or the mm. National Theatre. Mm. I'm going to play it completely straight. And he did, and it works perfectly. Mm. And it grounds the story. He's won an Oscar, Michael Caine, has he not? Not for that. He not for that, <laughs> but he has won one. Hannah and her sisters. Yeah. Um, if only we had some questions about Oscars. Oh, indeed. Well, funnily enough, I have produced a short quiz based on the eight Best Picture nominees for the 2019 Oscars. It is Peter versus John, and the winner gets the great prize of flying out to Los Angeles to watch the Oscars ceremony from afar, without a ticket, entirely at their own expense. Thank you very much. It's a great prize. (laughs) This is... And the winner is... No, it's and the Oscar goes to, isn't it? Yes, because there's yeah. no winners or losers in Hollywood. Only winners. And Unless you're La Steve La Guttenberg. <laughs> Steve Guttenberg sadly overlooked men- at the no- Oscars. Steve Guttenberg gets a name drop in one of the best songs in The Simpsons, so he's a winner in my eyes. <laughs> anyway, question one. Spike Lee's Black Klansman, in its title, uses three letter Ks. In what order are those three letter Ks? in terms of capitals and lowercase. Capital K, little k, capital K. That is correct. One point to Peter. Peter obviously being an expert on the Ku Klux Klan there. I'm pleased <laughs> I got that one wrong. <laughs> Question number two. The film Green Book stars Viggo Mortensen and Mahershala Ali. In how many degrees can you link either of those actors to Kevin Bacon? Okay, Viggo Mortensen was in Lord of the Rings with lots of people. As, uh, he was in there with Ian McKellen, who was in X-Men. And Kevin Bacon was in the Kevin second first-class movie. First class, yeah. Very good. That is the best link I could find for Viggo Mortensen, but you can get there quicker with Mahershala Ali, who was in The Hunger Games with Jennifer Lawrence, who was in X-Men with Kevin Bacon. Yeah. So, very good. Uh, You both get a point there because you both helped. So, (laughs) 2-1 to Peter. Question three. The film The Favourite is about the court of Queen Anne. Can you tell me the dates of her reign as queen? No. Peter. That's the joke I was going for. (laughs) 
But I get the point because John didn't say John. Yes. Because he did that let's to me go last episode. We haven't established that rule yet for this particular quiz, but let's go with it. The correct answer is 1702 to 1714. And she united the kingdoms of England and Scotland halfway through. And that caused no problems at all, ever. <laughs> so no points there. Number four. Black Panther has famously been called Marvel's first flop. What, according to... Not that famously. <laughs> what, according to Box Office Mojo, was its total box office gross? I will take an approximation near the correct answer. John, is this worldwide? Worldwide. 800 million? Peter, would you like to hazard a guess? 940 million. Peter is closer, I'm afraid. It was 1346913161 So that's 3-1, Peter. Question number five. The film Vice is about the life of Vice President Dick Cheney. Can you name who preceded and succeeded him as Vice President of the USA? Yes. Go for it. Uh, I'm going to say Al Gore and succeeded by Joe Biden. Correct on both counts. Two points to John. It's three all. Wow. Question number six. The film Roma was directed by Alfonso Cuaron. Can you name three other films by Alfonso Cuaron? John. Gravity, Harry Potter, and the only good one with Gary Oldman in. Fuck. uh, Harry Potter and the... Peter. Peter's jumping in there. Prisoner of Azkaban. Yeah, and Harry Potter. Yep. Very, very yeah. good. Yep. And uh, and lots of other ones. Peter, any any mention of the third film? Uh, no, those were the only two I knew offhand. Well, we'll give one point to Peter for the Prisoner of Azkaban. One point to John for Gravity. The third one I was thinking of was Children of Men. Of course, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. So it's four all. Two questions left. Number seven. In the film A Star Is Born. Lady Gaga's friend... Lady Gaga. <laughs> Lady Gaga. Uh, Lady Gaga's friend uh, Ramon is played by Anthony Ramos. For which musical is he famous? John Hamilton. Well done. Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> Got to get it in there somewhere. It's 5-4 John. Last question. The final Best Picture nominee, Bohemian Rhapsody, has Brian Singer as its credited director. Mm. Who took over John, from him? Uh, the guy from Piss Gang and Games Master, Dexter Peter. Fletcher. Ah. John didn't get the name straight away. Peter, what were you going to say? I was going to say Dexter but Fletcher. He said but it after... That's John's Do you point. Wanna, you, no, it's John's point. Seed it to John. 6-4. John wins all the Oscars. If we seeded it to Peter, would we have had a tiebreaker? Yes, we would. Uh, I think Peter gets it correctly there. <laughs> okay, okay, all right. 5-all, um, you share the Oscars. That's not really a tiebreaker. He wanted a tiebreaker. He wanted a tiebreaker. He hasn't got another question. I want a tiebreaker question. Okay, um... The tie-break question is, which best picture winner am I thinking of right now? John, Debbie Does Dallas. Incorrect. Peter. This could take a long time. John, The Sound of Music. No. Silence of the Lambs. Give us a year. 2003. Or Lord four. Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of... Uh, Lord of the Rings, Return of the King. It was Lord of the Rings. <laughs> and the Oscar goes to... John. I'm so excited. This is the highlight of my entire life. Oh, I'd no, like to... sorry, sorry. There's been a terrible mistake. It was actually Moonlight. Warren Beatty, you shit. <laughs> <laughs> you both right. did very well. Quite pleased with myself there. Good Oscars knowledge. You can stay up till six in the morning being a pundit. Bohemian Rhapsody. 
How and why? It's just crossed the $1 billion mark at the box office. Whether it was going to be one of these ones that they would have put in the best popular film category mm. and then moved mm. over to best picture as a, oh, well, we'll give them a couple of films they've actually seen. They've got to appear to be relevant, I think. Mm. And if they don't do a couple of populist ones, then... There's populist good ones. <laughs> you know, that kind of being um, I thought Rami Malik, I wasn't surprised to see as best actor. Mm. But to be honest, I haven't seen the film, so I'm... So you're still just spouting on about something you know nothing about. Well, that's my job in this podcast, (laughs) is it not? Yeah. I've seen the film, and I really enjoyed it for what it was, but I never would have imagined it being nominated for awards, other than Rami Malek, who was brilliant as Mm. Freddie. Who do we think will win? I have a suspicion that despite the controversy, they're going to go with Green Book. I think Roma will win Best Director and... A Star is Born will win this film. Yeah, mm. that, that would be fair. I wouldn't be unhappy with that. So, I've got some bad news, guys. It's escalated. Um, I can see hairs on the floor surrounded by police <laughs> with tasers. Um, Chris has been bundled away, but she's... Oh, got uh, she's broken free and she's, she's gone after him. We should really try and calm her down. Yeah. What, uh, what would calm her down? I have no idea. I mean, I've never seen her like this before. Oh, she's, she's climbing up the tree. She thinks it's him. <laughs> <laughs> that, it's, that poor sycamore. I can see a SWAT team now. Uh, there's men with guns. They're not the men in Black International. We can confirm. Okay, so Hazel is not returning. And therefore, it's up to me to bring this one home. If you've enjoyed the show, then please give us a like on Facebook, Twitter. Look for Ad Nerd Fest UK. It's our little space to interact with you, and we would love to be interacted with. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's it. That's an entirely non-creepy way of putting it. Yes. <laughs> but in the meantime, you have been listening to the one and only Dan Watkins, Peter Johnson. Uh, the one, the only, the amazing, the spectacular, the sexy, the it must be someone beautiful. Else. I can't think who though. Yeah, no, I, that fits no description of anyone in this room. John Richard Farling. Bye. Bye. <laughs>